It's midnight. The wind is blowing through branches which lost their leaves weeks ago, and the moon is behind the clouds. You shouldn't be outside tonight, you know that. It's a feast night tonight, after all. You're still a quarter of a mile from home. The road twists through a wooded area just ahead. You pick up the pace. The world is eerily still under the canopy of trees, quiet but for the murmuring of an owl somewhere above, and the rustle of the wind. You're nearly there. You can make it. Then, you hear it. Distant at first, but growing nearer along the road. You freeze in place, terror spiking through your veins. Round the corner ahead it arrives, galloping on the back of a black stallion. It stops in front of you, blocking the road. You try to look the rider in the eye. It has none. Where the head should be, there is only air. The figure reaches under its cloak and pulls something out. As the moon emerges from behind the clouds at last, you see that the creature is carrying its own disembodied head. Its skin is doughy, clearly rotting. Its eyes are small and black and fixed on you. The head opens its terrible mouth and speaks. It says one word. Your name. Welcome to tonight's episode of Grave History, a Macabre History Podcast. I'm Teddy. I'm Katrina. And we are your hosts. And tonight we are covering part two of our little dive into British cryptids. Part two. Yeah. We are discussing Wales and Northern Ireland. You have not been left out. We'd never do that to you. No. Unlike the government, am I right? Oh! <laughs> Jokes. Yeah. Although I will say... The pickings for cryptids were were a little thin on the ground. Both countries have a very rich mythology, mm. um, but when it comes to you know like blurry snapshots of stuff and half yeah believable encounters, it's a bit more thin on the ground. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know we got some stuff. We got yeah. some stuff. I found some some of the stuff about uh, Northern Ireland actually was hilarious. Um, I found one article about. Um, uh, it was like people people saw dire wolves in oh. County Fermanagh and Antrim, even though they're extinct. Of course. And I didn't know they were real animals, to be honest. I thought they made them up for Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, um, me too. But the, then pe- people were like, I, I saw them, uh, but all of the sightings were in poor light and heavily wooded regions. Oh, of course. And then it turns out that it was the, the, all these sightings were in places that w- it was being filmed for oh, Game of Thrones. That, that'll so, do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got some things where it was like, well, I thought it might be this, but actually I think it was a werewolf. And I'm like, oh, yes, much more likely. <laughs> yes, course. that'll be it. The werewolf. Yeah, one, one of mine is like, it's not Bigfoot, it's a ghost. <laughs> it's, sure, why not? <laughs> exactly. Um, Far more believable. Yeah. Um, plus, a lot of the ones I found for Ireland were also Scottish or actually Scottish. Uh, like, okay. just a list of being, like, um, like one was the great grey man I'm like he's not Irish we covered him already he doesn't go on holiday he's He's stuck in one location what's grey and carries a suitcase (gasps) what the great grey man going on holiday (gasps) I love it but but what's what's brown wears a sombrero carries maracas and wears a Hawaiian shirt and carries a suitcase Bigfoot on holiday 
the great grey man coming back from his holiday. Oh, I love it. He can't You're be welcome. the great grey man then. Well, I'm just glad he's moved on from what is obviously a very difficult period in his life. <laughs> You know what? He went to find himself. It's okay. And he found himself. Yeah, yeah. I think he's going to. I don't know. He's going to a generic holiday destination. Sorry, I'm going to shut up now. So, um... yeah, because the pickings on the ground for cryptids were a little bit thin, we've both uh, gone for a mixture of the the actual cryptids we could find, um, mm-hmm. and also some more mythological uh, beings. Yes, um, I found a, a good Facebook page called uh, Cryptids NI, um, which is very small, needs a bit of love, uh, but it's pretty cool. Mostly shares photos of the woods and like articles about possible Irish encounters. That's what we like. But there are people, yeah, there are people out there fighting the good fight. You know what I mean? <laughs> They're fighting the good cryptid fight. That's exactly what it is. Um, okay, well, I think since you started last time, mm-hmm. may I Ooh, start okay. this time? You absolutely may. Oh, yay. Hit me with your best shot. Okay. Well, we're going to be starting with a classic uh, sea monster mm. in the form of the Barmouth monster. The Barmouth monster. Barmouth monster. <laughs> um, and he is described, I don't know why he's a he, but he is a he, uh, is described as a serpentine sea monster or sometimes a giant sea serpent. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I wanted to choose him is because he's been spotted as recently as uh, 2016, I believe. Ooh. Um, yeah, so in 2016, a photo of him was taken, well, possibly of him, was taken by a, um, and this is where I start having to pronounce Welsh words, uh, um, I'll, I'll, I'll turn away from the mic to laugh at you. <laughs> Alanath Pensioner. I don't know if that's okay. how you pronounce the double L, but you know what? We're just going to go with it. Um, mm-hmm. Alana pensioner called Mohammed Tala, who snapped a photo of a monster-like shape in the River Aeron uh, estuary, which is approximately about 60 miles from Barmouth, but it looked so much like it could be the thing that it's been dubbed as that it is the Barmouth monster. What exactly is a monster-like shape? Well, it sort of looks like your traditional um, Loch Ness shape. Mm-hmm. In that there's, like, the curl of the neck and then, like, a lump. Oh, okay. okay and, yeah. like, people are like, is it a seal? Is it, like, um, a log? Is it actually the Barmouth monster? Um, but that was why I wanted to, to bring it up because we've not had a lot of super recent... Uh, cryptid spottings in our findings. Yeah, yeah. So I thought he'd be quite fun, and he's got quite a a reign. Like mm-hmm. his first spotting was in eighteen o five. Okay. Um, and yeah, he's been pretty consistent between then and and kind of. Uh, now, just popping up yeah. every so. Are there photos of him? There is one photo, okay. and it is the recent one. Okay. But there's plenty of uh, stories. Okay. Which is good. You know, when you can't have blurry photos and oh, you can... <laughs> this photo <laughs> you is blurry. You um, can have vague stories. Exactly. Because va- vagueness is blurriness in written form. Exactly. Mm. Um, but he's mostly spotted in and around the Menai Strait, okay. uh, which is a shallow piece of coastal water around 25 miles across um, that separates mainland Wales and Anglesey. Okay, 
This is just me getting like dragged because of how little I know about Welsh uh, geography. Oh, trust me, I know nothing either. So okay. <laughs> um, but his descriptions. So the descriptions are a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. It includes uh, serpentine descriptions. Um, he mm-hmm. can look similar to a crocodile, with oh. footprints as large as an elephant. Um, he is described as being ten foot long, and That's possessing a long skin like a dinosaur, which hopefully means he has feathers. I was thinking that. How can you say something is like a dinosaur? But when skin no one's like ever a, seen dinosaur. a dinosaur. Yeah, but no one's ever seen a dinosaur. Everyone has been to the Natural History Museum in London and seen the animatronic T Rex. Oh my god, I love that thing. I love her so much. <laughs> <laughs> she makes my life. But yeah, no, I mean, most dinosaurs would have... I, I I believe it's most, but they would have had more of an avian appearance mm. than we give them credit for, so... Mm-hmm. Everyone's uh, just a coward. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Jurassic World. Where are my bird I dinosaurs? I didn't see it because I can't <laughs> sit through it. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Yeah. I don't think I could either. I just sit uh, there like, where's Jeff Goldblum? Yeah, no, there's no, there's, there's no Jeff Goldblum. That's yeah. the goddamn point. There's no Jeff Goldblum which, which walking is... sexually up to a pile of, of dinosaur shit. <laughs> so what's the <laughs> point? That's just my review of all movies. Was Jeff Goldblum in it? No, then it's a bad movie. You must have loved Thor Ragnarok, huh? It was great. I loved Thor <laughs> um, <laughs> so his first spotting, as I said, was in 1805. I don't know if I did say that, but his first spotting was in 1805. Mm-hmm. Um, his debut yeah uh where in so we're in the menai straits where i said most of the sightings take place um a ship reported a large sea serpent encounter where the serpent wrapped itself around the mast um and stayed there until the crew attacked it for a little while and then it left (laughs) um but it was later seen stalking another ship for about two days before kind of giving up that's kind of sad. Yeah. Like on the on the he was just he just wanted to yeah. chill and then they <laughs> that I attacked him for a little bit. I'm just I'm just imagining them all standing around him in confusion and then eventually like poking, poking him with a yeah. broom. Like, well, you, could you get off. I just he get wasn't attacking off. anyone. He just wanted to. I don't know. What do you do on a boat? Hang out uh, uh, around in, in the, the olden days. The the mast. Yeah, that's what he was doing. Yeah. He he wasn't. I. I I mean, from my knowledge of 1800s ships, you mm. hang about, yep. uh, get lead poisoning or scurvy, <laughs> and die. That's what I did last weekend. Yeah. I mean, is it, you know, an, a doomed Arctic exploration or is it millennial ennui? We don't know. <laughs> uh, everything I know about boats, I know from Greenwich, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The great Greenwich. Newsflash to everyone, uh, we both used to work in Greenwich, Together. Together, which is how we met. Um, mm-hmm. And so all of our knowledge of naval stuff, boats... Stars, planets... Yeah, that as well, I'm, yeah. I'm kidding, it's all gone out of my brain. <laughs> all I can remember is the little monologue from the planetarium. That's all I got. I am going... No joke, I will, I will, I will commit murder if I have to hear that again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. Same. <laughs> Anyway, anyway. So, and the next sighting uh, that was recorded, anyway, was not for a long while. It was in eighteen eighty-two, and we have actually got a letter about this one. 
which I will read for you in dramatic fashion. Please do. Uh, this was a letter from Nature magazine from someone identified as F.T. Mott. Okay. Um, and I'm getting this quote from a highly credible website, which is cryptids, with a Z, dot fandom dot com. Okay. Um, but here's the letter. About 3pm on Sunday, September 3rd, 1882, a party of gentlemen and ladies were standing at the northern extremity of La... Land... Oh dear. Landudno uh, Pier looking out towards the open sea when an unusual object was observed in the water near little Ormy's head travelling rapidly westward towards the great Ormy. It appeared to be just outside the mouth of the bay and would therefore be about a mile distant from the observers. It was watched for about two minutes and in that interval it tra traversed about half the width of the bay and then suddenly disappeared. The bay is two miles wide and therefore the object, whatever it was, must have travelled at the rate of 30 miles an hour. It is mm. estimated to have been fully as large as, as long as a large steamer, say 200 feet. The rapidity of its movement was particularly remarked as being greater than that of an, an ordinary vessel. The colour appeared to be black, and the motion either corkscrew-like or snake-like, with vertical undulations. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, it also says they discard theories of birds or porpoises as not accounting for this particular phenomenon. What the hell kind of bird would that be? I don't know. I guess a, a, a seal or a porpoise. Yeah, maybe. but also not 200 feet long. Maybe it was a chain of seals. Maybe. They do like to conga. They... <laughs> yeah, they were on their way to... <laughs> Butlins. They're a long way off. They're going to get there. I was going to say, is that how you get to Butlins? I've never yes. been to Butlins. No, neither have I, but I assume. My parents let us have fun as children. <laughs> not touching that um <laughs> so there's another sighting in 1883 um uh -huh. this one is a woman claimed to find uh footprints the size of elephants when you say elephants do you mean elephants feet or elephants i assume elephants feet okay because um, i'm just because if it's 10 feet long it's got some big freaking feet if it's got feet yeah the size of elephants. but if it's 200 feet long then, then that makes sense yeah um but that was near the morduk estuary mm -hmm. um and the barmouth monster is also sometimes called the mordock monster for that okay. reason i assume okay then it's not spotted again till 1937 um okay. and this is where we get a really kind of i think it's this one and the next account is where the most detail comes in about its appearance right uh this is where we get the crocodile like animal being seen uh, that, so that's where that description comes in and that's again in mordock and then in the 1970s, and you know what I feel about 1970s cryptid sightings. Brown. I, I take them with a lot of salt. Because, well, looks like they took it with a lot of salt, yeah. if you know what I mean. Yeah. Using salt as a euphemism <laughs> for like drugs or something. The naughty cigarettes. Naughty. The naughty... Yeah. <laughs> um, this one is in 1975. A group of schoolgirls encounter a strange creature... Um, it had a long neck, square face, and long tail, with a flipper at the end, and its <laughs> skin was black and patchy, and they reported it to be roughly ten feet long, uh, and having big green eyes. That's, that sounds like the dragon in How to Train Your Dragon. It does. Maybe they just <laughs> saw Toothless. We don't know. Um, and then after that, the, the only other uh, sighting that's reported is the 2016 one. 
when okay. uh, our lovely pensioner took a photo. I'm glad he took a photo because you know what? Someone had to. Yeah. It's like, guys, this creature has been around for for ages. Why has no one taken a photo? Yeah. Someone sketched it, but that's that's not enough. That's not enough. That's not enough. Is that photo available to see online? It is. It is. If you Google Barmouth Monster. Barmouth Monster. I want to see this. Yeah. But while you're doing that, I will tell you the possible explanations that have been given. Go for uh, it. A large seal would have to be an extraordinarily large seal. Um, a European eel, and the idea of a ten-foot eel is terrifying. Um, an escaped crocodile, an unknown species of fish, a hoax, or, and this is my favourite one, a plesiosaur mm-hmm. or tylosaur species. So like Nessie. Yeah. Like it's Nessie. a dinosaur. Oh, okay, I'm looking at it now. Isn't that like prime cryptid photography right there? It's definitely blurry. Mm-hmm. I kind of think it looks like a log. Yeah, it does. It does look like a log, like a, a huge bit of driftwood. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. if it was a video and I could see yeah. it moving, that would. I plus I um, I have seen seals in the harb in harbors before. Yeah. Uh, don't ask why. But they don't um, tend to kind of rear back like that. No, um, I don't. I just. I mean based on that because it could still be a seal with like perspective or whatever but um i don't think it is a seal just no. based on past experience with seals but um uh, i'm gonna say log yeah i think that particular <laughs> picture log. yeah 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 totally mm. um but I, I i don't know i mean i'm just excited at the, the prospect of another sea monster to add to the roster Mm. You know what? Yeah, Nessie yeah. gets a lot of fame. I think she needs some like co-hosts, <laughs> for want of a better term. Oh god, I was watching this program on TV the other day about like I can't remember what it was about, but mm. I was watching it because I was existing in the same room as the television, and um, it was like about this dude who lives in Loch Ness and like his whole <clears throat> life is Nessie hunting. Oh god, this no, this guy. He's he's an elderly man. He lives the, his his best life. He's yeah. got like an adorable little wooden cabin that looks like Aww. something out of like cabin porn. He has dogs and he just chills on his deck all day with a pair of binoculars looking at the loch. That's the kind that of life does I sound like a dream life actually. Yeah. That's what I want to do. I mean any job that involves having a dog is good. <laughs> a dog in a cabin. Yeah. And it just looked really nice and peaceful, and I just that's what I want to do when I retire. Fuck it, that's yeah. what I want to do now. <laughs> I just want to skip the having a job part and just go straight for the I'm kicking back looking yeah. for Mothman, or because Nessie's not that interesting to me, but I would definitely do that for Mothman. Yeah, I mean, if he looks anything like the the statue with the amazing oh, yeah. ass, well, I'm down for that. <laughs> I love that statue. Why is he so buff? I don't know, but I'm also not complaining. No, no, me either. Mm. Okay. Would you like to uh, delight us with a tale from Northern Ireland? Yes, I would. Um, So this one that I have, um, I should say two of my creatures have got very sort of strong Northern Irish ties. Uh, This one doesn't, this one is more an Irish, uh, as in Republic and Northern Irish creature. Um, 
yeah, it's sort of filtering stuff strictly by Northern Ireland is tricky sometimes, especially you know because it wasn't it wasn't always that way. Yeah, for those it's, it's a fairly recent thing. <laughs> for those of us who remember the nineties, I know what I was doing in the nineties. <laughs> I was mostly screaming and playing with toys. Yeah, I was I was singing to the Spice Girls a lot. <laughs> I don't really remember the Spice Girls. I know, I know, no, I yeah. remember S Club. I mean, Spice more. World came out in '97, and that was my first exposure to Alan Cumming. Oh, good so. grief! Um, <laughs> it's all downhill from there. Dude, not Spy Kids. No, Spy Kids came out after Spice World. I definitely saw Spy Kids, but not Spy. Anyway, uh, <laughs> back to cryptids. Back to cryptids. So uh, this creature is um, a creature from Irish mythology, and um, I got a lot of information on it from a site called the demonical.blogspot.com um, A lot of other sources come from uh, a W.B. Yeats account of Irish folklore. Is it Yeats or is it Yeats? I always say Yeats. I'll say Yeats just so I sound intelligent. Okay. Yeah. Um, so this <laughs> this creature is uh, the Fear Gorta, which I'm not pronouncing correctly, but uh, I, I'm immune to that now. Um... What? We covered that last episode, it's fine. I, I'm just... Uh, can we do an episode set in, like, I don't know, where's somewhere with really bland names that are easy to pronounce? England. You're damn right. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so um, this th- this creature is a phantom of hunger um, who roams the countryside in times of famine. Um, okay. Now, this uh, is quite reminiscent of some other kinds of folklore, like the Native American, uh, specifically, and this isn't pronounced correct correctly at all, Algonquian, uh, Wendigo. Oh, the Wendigo. The Wendigo, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Which, according to some mythologies, is a former human who succumbed to the desire for human flesh and then turned into the monster with the unsatiable appetite. Yeah. Um, that creature is very fearsome, though, to be feared, name not to be spoken, so I've just cursed myself. Um... <laughs> Uh, and also, the other one I was reminded of was a Japanese yokai, which just means... Uh, yok- yokai is just a, a kind of ghost spirit creature. I love yokais. Mm. There was a show called, like, Yokai Collector or something, mm-hmm. which was a lot of fun. Yeah, the, I mean, the uh, I mean Japanese folklore is a, is a really fun ride. Um, it really is. But this one is called the Gasha Dokoro, um, mm-hmm. and it is... Um, a giant skeleton formed from the skeletons of those who have died of starvation or in battle. Oh God! Yes, um, there's some really great woodprint uh, uh, prints, uh, woodcuts, that kind of thing. If you look it up online, of this creature, um, I do like it. Puts people that have died from hunger and people that died in battle on like the same par. Yeah, because what are you battling? Your hunger. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yes, this thing allegedly roams after midnight and preys on unsuspecting travellers. And apparently it can creep up on people because it's really quiet despite being a fucking 15-foot-tall skeleton made of other skeletons. <clears throat> um, yeah, you'd think it would sound like the percussion part of an orchestra. <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> like I'm, a marimba. I'm imagining, I'm imagining like a xylophone, but like... A thousand xylophones being played at once. Oh, God. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> oh, dear. The... Oh, God. Um, so, yeah, this, this creature, the Fiagorta, um, 
is uh, seems to is seems to sort of represent the feeling that overtakes you when you're hungry, hunger, in other words. Yeah. Um, given an is it the ghost of hangry? Ghost of hangry. No, he's not. He's not angry. Well, really, oh, okay. Oh, here he is. He's given an explanation and personified. You know, like a lot of folklore is. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. The creature, according to various internet sources I've come across, looks much like a walking corpse, emaciated face, sunken eyes, dressed in rags. But un- hmm. unlike the Wendigo or the Gasha Dokoro, um, he does not appear to be malevolent, or rather, he's more sort of neutral good. Um, mm. So what he does is he um, he begs people for food, money, that kind of thing. Um, okay. Yeah, to help him out. Uh, he rewards those who help him, and he punishes those who do not. Oh gosh. Uh, Yates' description was emaciated phantom that goes through the land in famine time, begging in alms and bringing good luck to the giver. Uh, he apparently knocks on doors and asks for help. The defense against you know being cursed by him with bad luck is to just show him kindness so you know um there's also a description on dublin city university's archive uh which is Mm. the fear gorta was a feeling of great weakness and hunger suddenly taken at certain places when going a journey several people took the fear gorta at the hollies halfway up largain bray the person who took the fear gorta had to sometimes lie down and rest or sometimes he made his way to the nearest house and asked a bit of oaten bread some people carry a piece of oaten bread on a journey, afraid of the fear gorter. Uh, so, like, being prepared. Basically, yeah. A traveller is supposed to take it at a spot where a person or persons died from the famine. Um, you can also fall victim to this by walking on what is called hungry grass, or also fairy grass. Um, uh, uh, which is like... I knew the fair folk were going to come up. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, th- this, this guy is basically a, uh, a fairy of sorts. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. He's of the fae. He's of the fae. Sort. He's of the fae persuasion. Um, okay. Yeah, Aren't we all? yeah. He's completely supernatural, unlike the the Wendigo and the Gashidokoro, which are kind of mm. used to be humans, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So if you walk on the hungry grass, um, uh-huh. uh, you will be consumed by a ceaseless hunger that can never be satiated, and if it isn't treated, the person may die uh, by overeating, I presume. Um, the grass might be treated with salting, burning, or scattering it with breadcrumbs, but um, it is caused by... There's a little bit of dissent over what causes it. Uh, one guy, William Carlton, suggests that fairies curse the grass. Uh, uh-huh. Another uh, commentator called Steenie Harvey suggests it is caused by the presence of the fear gorter, uh, and also that it's created when a corpse is laid down prior to burial, so it'll be that patch. Um one webs again fear of the dead fear of corpses that comes up a lot corpses ain't gonna do shit well they're gonna do i have to laugh um no one website i found called irish imbess was very skeptical about the the web's overall description of hungry grass and the fear gorta uh pointing out Mm. that a lot of the sources come from the 18th and 19th century uh just being you know copied verbatim over and over again um Mm. uh Yates and Carlton's books uh, accounts are both kind of repeating the idea of happy, jolly Irish peasants who were dumbasses with outdated beliefs. Um, uh, so yeah, racism. Well, yeah, I mean, prejudice against the Irish is yeah. in not racism. Space xenophobia. Yeah, totally. Um, it's problematic. Um, mm. But yeah, so what I've been doing is trying to kind of come up with theories and causes and symbolis- symbolism and meaning behind all the creatures this week. For this one, um, I 
I mean, Ireland's obviously got a history with famine. Yeah, um, giving absolutely. the creature, I'm going to say, an even darker tone. Mm. Um, the Great Famine obviously occurred between 1845 and 1849. Um, yes. And it's really easy to forget how bad it was. Yeah. It was about... And how yeah. shit we were. Yeah. <laughs> what's, the, what's the parasite that causes the potato blight? The English. Uproarious uh, applause. Yeah. I mean, I mean, sorry, the British in general. Let's not pretend Scotland's yeah. got clean hands in this. But, um, but yeah. So in in that in that famine, about a million died, a million more emigrated. Um, oh, the famine hit the west and south particularly hard, which is where the Irish language was spoken most, and the population mm-hmm. dropped by twenty to twenty five percent. So you know, we're talking a pretty thorough cultural eradication. Yeah, um, that's that's gonna and, eradicate a lot of like folklore and and a lot of traditions at least tend to be to oral you know yes exactly um so i i mean i'm i'm not an expert in this subject in particular but i'm absolutely certain yeah. there is research one could do about the impact of something like the the famine on you know a loss of cultural heritage i mean mm, i mean no absolutely native, I mean, native american you're... heritage definitely suffered in that way uh, welsh her- oh, absolutely. welsh heritage as well um, yep. But um, was that the was that the English again? Probably. Yes, it was. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I remember studying the famine in in high school, and just the accounts were. There was one account where they, um, some people who were starving to death found the bodies of a load of people who had already starved to death, and they had grass in their mouths because oh, they were so God. hungry they were just eating the grass. Jesus Christ. Uh, which you shouldn't do because it's really bad for your digestive system. Yeah. yeah um, you, that's why cows have. What is it? Four stomachs. I think it's like a four-chambered gas. I, I'm not a cow. I'm not a cow expert. Um, no, but yeah, I. basically, I think this creature is interesting given um, the history of famine in Ireland, and mm. famine is a very, very violent, horrible thing, and we're really lucky to live in a culture where famine is pretty much beyond imagination. Although I don't know, maybe mm. by the end of this month, or this. Um, I think I think we're soaring towards the soylent green future, and I for one can't yeah. wait to be euthanized. Um, but <laughs> but um, it's it's a morality tale. I think it's about helping those who are in need. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's very much like the kind of a slightly darker version of like the Good Samaritan. Yes, exactly. Christianity. Exactly. It's it's a tale about helping those who are in need, and you know. <laughs> But with some added curse. With, with yeah, just in case, which happens a lot in fairy tales as well. Like the was it the original mm. Cinderella? Where I don't know. Anyways, it's irrelevant. The original what? What? I was gonna say original Cinderella, but then I realised it's actually a different sort of grim fairy tale. Yeah. You know where the where the girl gets um a gift uh where she whenever she speaks gold falls out of her mouth, and then her uh, evil sisters yeah. try to do it, but then whenever they speak like frogs and toads come out of their mouths. Mm. Yeah. Mhm. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, I don't know, it's a, it's a variation on a theme. But um, yeah, that one doesn't really have sightings per se, at least definitely not in modern times. But um, I, I might even propose the idea that the, the famine, the, the potato famine was so bad that it kind of killed off a lot of appetite for, um, like, you know, mythological narratives, if that makes sense. Mm. Mm. Um, no, that absolutely makes sense. Yeah. But um, no, that's a very dark history that's worth researching more about. And yeah, yeah, this guy was around at the time, walking the countryside. 
Just just walking around going, hey, I'm really hungry. Got some, Can you, like, got some food? No me? one's got food, Gerald. I don't know why it's called Gerald. That's why you're here. <laughs> okay. To kind of bring the, the tone mm-hmm. back to something a little bit happier. Oh, sorry. Um, I thought we could jointly... Because uh, turns <laughs> yeah. out we both get really excited at the prospect of talking about a Bigfoot. Bigfoot! Um, that we both ended up with the same uh, creature on our list. Mm. We didn't talk about this beforehand. Mm-mm-mm-mm. We probably should have. Mm. I could have talked about the Afank mm. and the weird platypus nonsense that that is. I mean, a lot of what I have is specific to Northern Ireland. So, you know, I think yeah. we can... Uh, you know, we could... Mm. What uh, we could kind of start by like um talking about it more generally. Like I have an article about the <coughs> the European wood woes that I would love to share. Yeah. I would love to share. So yeah, you. spoilers. Mm-hmm. This is about the wood. Oh, woes, I beg your pardon. I'm sorry. Or the woodawasa, uh, as it's originally called in Anglo-Saxon, mm. uh, which gives you an idea of how old this particular creature is. Very old. Um. The the name actually translates roughly as uh, voodoo, which means uh, forest or, or wood. Um, and then wasa, which is a little bit harder to to translate, but roughly it means being. Okay. From the verb to be uh, or to live. Right. Um, but interestingly, it can also translate um, as uh, lonely or stranger, uh-huh. which is an interesting take on it as well, I thought. Um but it's been spotted kind of across Britain. Mm-hmm. Um, but mainly kind of, there's a lot of sightings in England. There's a lot of sightings in Northern Ireland. And there's a fair few sightings in um, in uh, Wales as well, mm. which is why I chose it. I think there weren't that many sightings listed on Wales, but I just got so excited yeah, I mean, about Bigfoot. There are some. <laughs> I've actually got a map um, of uh, sightings across Britain. Uh, courtesy mm. of the Irish Big- Bigfoot, uh, is it the Irish Bigfoot Society? It's the Irish Bigfoot something. Um, but yes, I'm looking at it right now. Um, oh, nice. Yes, and it has this one on the Isle of Man. Even. Oh. Imagine that. That's he's gone on holiday. He's gone to look at the lighthouse. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Um, but he's described kind of as a mythical being, mm. similar to things like the Sasquatch in northern in North America. Mm. Uh, the Mapinguari in South America, um, the Elmus in Russia, mm-hmm. and the Yeti in the Himalayas. Mm. Like the original source I went to didn't actually list the Yeti, and I was like, guys, guys, come on, he's a Nepalese icon. He is. How dare you? I've read Tintin in Tibet. I know all about exactly. him. Mm, yeah, <laughs> that's one of those Tintins that you look back at, just like, oh, okay. <laughs> Because of the racism, um, or because mm, mm, that was one of the least racist ones. That's true. There is that one that said in—is it China? Uh, yes, there is one. No, the most racist one is Tintin in the Congo. My brother owns a copy of it, <gasps> and let me tell you, yeah, yikes. I've been in the Tintin shop, and they don't have that one. Mm, funny that out and about. Uh, they have the Chinese one. Uh, the but the not, blue logo. I, I really liked it. It's one of my guiltiest pleasures. <laughs> <laughs> don't feel guilty I lo- about it. I love the cartoon. Tintin. The cartoon was great. Yes. Mm. Um, interestingly though, in comparison to his kind of counterparts, Mm um, uh, like the ones we just mentioned, the Woodwose is actually described as being far more human-like. Yes, Mm. very much so. 
Yeah, like the other ones are far more um, ape-like and his description tends to be a little bit closer to um, how we would imagine Neanderthals. Yes, that's um, something that kept... Could mm. could I read the, the wee article about it that I have? Absolutely. It's a good description. Okay. Do it, do it, do um, it. So, uh, yes, this is from a 2014 issue of the 14 Times. Um, okay. It's talking about him in the Suffolk region where carvings of woodworks... Uh, Woodworth-like creatures can be found in uh, lots of churches. It's got some great photographs of them, uh, all looking like hairy men. Uh, they're quite they're similar to but distinct from the Green Man. Um, you've heard of that one? Uh, who usually yeah. usually appears in foliage and is usually mm. usually uh, just his face. The, the I have a little um, Green Man face hanging by my front door. I love the Green Man. He's yeah. yeah. But uh, no, the wo- the Woodworth is more than just a pretty face. Uh, he so here we go. This is this is um, written by uh, Matt Salisbury, uh, okay. and this is what he had to say on it. Unlike the Asian and North American big hairy men, who are viewed as a creature different from humans, the Christian doctrines of man made in the image of God and of the fall meant that woodworthers had to become feral men, originally human, but who had grown apart due to outrageous hardship or turned wild through an upbringing among wild beasts. The woodworthers' hairy coats were regarded as a consequence of their wildness, not their natural state, according to Forth. Mm. One distinguishing feature that set Europe's woodworthers apart from the wild men and big hairy men outside Europe was that they had long hair on their heads and beards, making them more human-like. Some of the attributes of European woodworthers were that they didn't speak, they seemed to enjoy thunderstorms, and that they had some kind of Tarzan-style sympathy with animals, as well as knowledge of miscegenal plants. Medicinal plants, rather. Sometimes woodworthers snatched and ate human children. Male woodworthers were said to occasionally abduct human women, while wild women had the power to disguise themselves as human females in order to seduce men. The Renaissance saw a rebranding of the woodworth as an extinct creature, or a savage human, like the savage peoples then being discovered outside Europe. Sorry, that's, sav- that's oh. savage in quotes, yes. Oh, God. By the 17th century, wild men had pretty much vanished from English literature and written sources, as a fascination for the newly discovered non-European wild races had instead taken hold. Oh, jeez. Mm. Mm. Yes. So, uh... <laughs> Let's let's pick through the races. Lot to unpack there. Um, but let's just throw away the whole suitcase. Yeah, um, <laughs> there were a couple of descriptions of the the woodworth that I found that were describing it as an Aboriginal of the woods, and I just had to sit for a moment and just be like, Ooh. okay, oh, makes okay. makes cool. cutthroat gesture at invisible cameraman. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's interesting you mentioned that the Christian doctrine is that they're people who live apart from humans but are themselves originally human. Yeah. Um, because there's a lot of beliefs that they might be a surviving Neanderthal community as well, which is quite interesting. Um, yeah, I mean... But some also say that they're original humans. That's interesting. I mean, they're, mm. they're, they're a lot bigger than I think Neanderthals were because um, yeah, a lot of the Neanderthals creatures... Were quite they were quite small, sport. yeah. A lot, yeah. A lot of the creatures are described as being about seven to eight feet tall. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're the big. Yeah, big boys. Big boys. <laughs> so, uh, give me some knowledge on the Welsh. Uh, okay. Um, well, there's only really one spotting that I could find personally. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I will. I will tell you about it. Um, this particular one was near. Now I don't know if I've written this down right. I didn't check. I'm a terrible historian person. Uh, this was outside Do Yellow, 
Okay. Which is Odiella. I don't know. Um, but in uh, North Wales. Okay. Northwest Wales. Um, and this was a, uh, a camper, a woman camping um, with her family. And this was in 2015. Mm-hmm. So pretty recent, mm. actually. Which I seem to find a lot with Bigfoot spottings. They do tend to be more recent than a lot of other cryptids. Well, I mean, it's, it's one of the most famous ones. Plus, you know, we have more um, means than ever before of mm. recording the evidence. I mean, I found... Of I taking found pictures of logs. <laughs> I found a shit ton of uh, YouTube videos of people saying, I saw this, I heard this. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, you can, you know, there's Bigfoot blogs. I'm talking just mm. Britain here as well. I'm not even touching the North American uh, sort of Bigfoot. <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> I, you know, that episode of um, Futurama where Fry really wants to see Bigfoot. And then and then he's, he's like to the park ranger, why don't you just put cameras up around? And he's like, because that would be expensive. And most people who believe in Bigfoot are broke. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Um, but yeah, this camper, um, and this story actually, before I read it, kind of reminds me a lot of, um, the story you, the stories you told about the Great Grey Man. Ooh. In that there's no actual sighting of the actual monster. Okay. Or creature, rather. Let's not, let's not tar him with the monster brush. He's, um, he's just trying to live his life. Yeah. He's, he's, rather, he's not a violent uh, creature by any account. No. No, not at all. He's just out there living his life. Yeah, he's just trying to get away from it all. Mm. Unplug. Um, but it's it's a kind of thing of there's no actual, it's more of a feeling. Okay. Yeah. Than actual seeing the mon the creature. Just like the great grey um, man. Hmm? Just like the great grey man. Exactly. Exactly. So this woman, she said, um, while she was hiking with her family, um, she started feeling like, feeling like she was being watched near the river. Mm. Um, and she kind of couldn't shake this feeling for ages. Um, like for all day. So the whole time they're out walking with the family and she's just constantly feeling like they're being followed, like they're being watched. Mm. Which is a pretty prevalent prevalent, Mm. uh, feeling. It's, you know, that kind of leftover of our more kind of um, animal brain. Yeah, the the monkey brain being like Mm. panic, threat. Yeah, something isn't right. Mm. I don't know what it is yet, but... I don't. I will find out. Yeah, kind of thing. Um, and then at four a.m., um, she was woken by a kind of what she described as a mournful howling. Mm. Um, and it was obviously enough to wake her up completely. Um, but and what gives it a bit of credibility, I found, was that this woman had lived in the countryside of the area for most of her life, and so knew what a lot of the local wildlife sounds like. <laughs> um, and she said that this particular sound didn't sound like the sound she was used to. Okay. Can I say the word sound a bit more? Sound. Um, but she also said she couldn't investigate because she had her young son with her. Where did he wake up? Children, you know what? I think they are just weird and can sleep through anything. Actually, yeah, well, that was true of me when I was a child. I did sleep through a fire, yeah. a fire alarm once. Um, oh, same, yeah. <laughs> maybe it was the same one. <laughs> maybe. Uh, that's how loud it was. Uh, what I'm getting from that story, though, is that you should never, ever, ever go camping. Um, I'm yeah, just basically. adding more evidence to my pile of anti-camping <laughs> propaganda that I'm building up. Or at least up. don't go camping in the wilderness, 
type thing. No, why? What do you get out of that? Yeah, don't be a white person in a horror film. I mean, I don't do. I it. do things that a white person in a horror film every single day of my life. Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, I shower when I'm home alone. Yeah, dude, I do urban exploring. Oh, Katrina! What's in that creepy abandoned building? Time for me to go find out. And like the curb your enthusiasm theme plays as I'm murdered. And nothing's gonna happen in here. <laughs> the gang get murdered. <laughs> <laughs> like let's <laughs> let's split up, but it's just me. So, oh god. <laughs> You go up and exploring alone? Yeah, it's really hard trying to find people who oh want to join God. in. Oh God. I wonder why. <laughs> Dude, it's really fa- I'll send you some of my photos, man. They're bad at- there's, there's an ab- Please do. There's an abandoned hospital really close to my parents' house in like the middle of the countryside. It's awesome. Nice. It is nice. Okay, tell me about some Northern Irish Ooh, okay. uh, sighting. Let's get on him. So, um... Um... So yeah, like I say, quite a lot of the sightings are concentrated in Northern Ireland. Um, oh. Many, the, so I've got the map of the Irish sightings, and I would say a solid eighty or eighty or so sightings in Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland, and the vast majority of them being in Northern Ireland. Um, Ireland, of course, has a very rich mythology of giants, uh, the mm. Fomorians, which were a mythical race of giants and sea raiders who were often hostile to the race of men. Um, but yeah, but like we say, these giants are often given a more human description. Yeah, um, they seem to be yeah. a bit more kind of. Is benign the word I want here? I, benevolent, maybe benign. Benevolent. I yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like I say, the Fomorians uh, were, you know, uh, were said to be hostile. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so stories of them appear from the medieval times up to the present day, but I'd like to start with an 1895 incident uh, where a fossilised giant creature was allegedly discovered and brought to London, mm. uh, as chronicled by the blog Bigfoot Tales. Uh, it's a great blog. I spent I spent more time on it than I should have done, given the time limit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but they cite an article that was in the Strand magazine that year. Uh, the, pe- mm. the piece in the magazine reads... Uh, Pre-eminent among the most extraordinary articles ever held by a railway company is the fossilised Irish giant, which is at this moment lying in the London and Northwestern Railway Company's Broad Street Goods Depot, and a photograph of which is reproduced here. This monstrous figure is reputed to have been dug up by a Mr Dyer while prospecting for iron ore in County Antrim. The principal measurements are entire length, 12 12 foot 2 inches, girth of chest 6 foot, and length of arms 4 foot 6 inches. There are 6 toes on the right foot. The gross weight is two tons, fifteen... Uh, what does CWT stand for? Um, I have no idea. Two tons, fifteen CWT, whatever that is. <laughs> so that it took... <laughs> I'm assuming it's less than a ton. I'm going to go with that, yeah. So, yeah. so that it took half a dozen men and a powerful crane to place this article of lost property in position for the Strand magazine artist. Dyer, after showing the giant in Dublin, came to England with his queer find and exhibited it in Liverpool and Manchester at sixpence a head, attracting scientific men as well as gaping sightseers. Business increased, and the showman induced a man named Kershaw to purchase a share in the concern. In 1876, Dyer sent this giant from Manchester to London by rail, the sum of four pounds, two shillings, six pence being charged for carriage by the company, but never paid. Evidently, Kershaw knew nothing of the removal of the show, for when he discovered it, he followed in hot haste, and through a firm of London solicitors, moved the Court of Chancery to issue an order restraining the company from parting with the giant, until the action between Dyer and himself to determine the ownership was disposed of. The action was never brought to an issue. 
Um, and so this article is accompanied by a picture of uh, a skeletonized body in an upright position uh, in a kind of okay. wooden crate or coffin. Um, this picture is also available online. Um, Amazing. I'm going to look okay. it up right now. Yeah, if you, if you look up uh, County Antrim... 1895 strand giant you know just google like a like an old person um (laughs) the scale of the picture is kind of hard to make out because there's no definitive indicator it looks pretty big there's a train carriage visible immediately behind it but false perspective is perfectly possible uh to be honest it just kind of looks like a statue it's definitely not hairy um a website called hoax or fact uh, declares this one to be probably fake. Um, oh, I see. Do you it. see it? Yeah, that yeah. looks like it's made of stone. It does. Yeah, I mean, it's supposed to be fossilized, but um... <laughs> I call bullshit. Yeah, I mean, the Strand was a magazine known for publishing fiction. Um, yeah, I mean, they they I, I, it was them that published the original Sherlock Holmes stories, I believe. Oh, I think so. That's I cool. think I uh, yeah, quote me if I'm wrong, but um, it was mainly used for publishing fiction and yeah. as we saw from that it definitely brought in a lot of money as a curiosity so there's plenty of reason to oh, lie absolutely. about it um it's interesting yeah. though that it came from county antrim because isn't that where giant's causeway is i don't know i think it, i'm gonna guess that it is considering when i googled county antrim giant because i'm lazy <laughs> um it came up with giant's causeway Sure. Let's, let's, no. I mean, maybe it was a play on that as well. You know, if if, if it maybe, was fake, yeah. which it probably was. Um, the specimen is now lost, conveniently. Um, conveniently. And as far as I can find out, no scientific analysis was ever performed on it. Uh, mm. So I guess we'll never know, but I'm going to call bullshit on that one. Yeah. Um, I mean, I remember <laughs> an episode of... Um, I think it was Ask a Mortician, but I don't know if it was the main series or, or something, uh-huh. one of her offshoots. Like famous corpses or something, um, yeah. Yeah, and there were a lot of giants related in that, where it was like, this is a giant, no, it's stone. <laughs> like, we can see the kind of chisel marks. It's, it's, it's stone, fam. Yeah. I mean, there were definitely a lot of... Um, what was the one called... Um, there was a very famous account of a fake uh, giant, mm-hmm. uh, the Cardiff giant, which uh, yes, it, yes, yeah, um, you know, which was um, obviously a hoax, uh, and that was that was a bit earlier, like eighteen sixty nine, uh, and then uh-huh. P. T. Barnum put it on sale. Yeah, I look. That, I mean, that sounds like his kind of thing. Oh God, I'm looking at it now, and a, it's clearly a statue, mm-hmm. and mm. b, he's got a huge dick. Yeah, I noticed that as well, right? Yeah. It's just kind of laying there. This... You didn't only make him... I mean, I suppose... I suppose the person carving it, because let's be real, it is a statue. That's... that's, um, Was like, it's got to be, like, proportionate, man. He's got to have big dick energy. Yeah. Some guy in 1869. Um, but I mean, this, this, uh, this one, this other one, uh, it does look like a, like a corpse at the very least, Mm. like the way they've, uh, made it. Whereas that Mm. just looks like a statue. So I, I can (laughs) see why it might be more convincing. Yeah. They've definitely posed it like a corpse. Oh yeah, totally. And it's got more of like a skull like face. Mm. Um, absolutely. But yeah, anyway, um, that's not been the only sighting. Um, there are a lot of sightings um, 
in Northern Ireland, a lot of them quite recent, uh, a, a hunter out walking in the Sperrin Mountains reportedly saw a Bigfoot-like creature walking along a valley. Uh, mm-hmm. Another sighting in Ballyboley Forest in County Antrim. Uh, and in 2017, a witness described seeing a seven-foot-tall Bigfoot-like creature in Brackenmoss Bog in County Armour. Um, other reports include various locations, Castlewell and Forest Park, Carlingford and Ravensdale Forests, uh, Glenariff, Cranor, Ballycastle Forest, Dromore and County Down, and many more. Um, a recent one, and one that has photographic evidence, is from January of 2017, um, mm-hmm. This photo appeared in the Daily Mail and the Mail Online. You know that great bastion of journalism. Oh, uh, the one, excellent. the one I found, uh, the version I found of it is in the Daily Mirror. Um, but this is uh, a photograph of uh, what appears to show a Bigfoot-like creature in the forests of, oh my, uh, Sleva Nora in County Antrim. Mm-hmm. Uh, it convinced many and opened the door to others to find out what it was. Uh, if you if you type in Irish wild man, it should be one of the first things that comes up. Okay. Um, I will give that a read later. It's great. Uh, but the photograph. Uh, <laughs> so first of all, the mirror article is "Mum snaps Bigfoot pit figure in Irish forest," but others say it could be ghost of passenger killed in plane crash. <laughs> because the, <laughs> it's a much more believable thing. Because there yeah, was I a, got yeah, that, that with, with a lot of the. It, sorry, I completely talked. No, no, it's okay. I was just gonna say a lot of the reporting reported sightings in Wales, they were like, No, no, it's it's not a, a wild man, it's a werewolf. Right, sure. That much more normal thing. <laughs> um but yeah, there was a fatal plane crash in these woods apparently. Some people are saying it's a ghost of that, but uh-huh. uh, uh, uh you know when you have to pick between two equally ridiculous things. Um Yeah. But um it's it, um one explanation is that it's a man in a ghillie suit and it does look a lot like a man in a ghillie suit um or What's that a it's a ghillie suit they're those um like camouflage suits that they wear in uh, you know the ones that kind of make you look like a weird creature uh-huh if you uh, okay that makes sense ever seen the video for this two shall pass by okay go there's a ton of people in ghillie suits playing uh yes. instruments it's great I know the one. Oh you yeah, mean. good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, or that's it, you know, it's it's a log, or it's just the scenery. It does kind of look like a figure. I'll give it that, and mm. it's a blurry photo. Of course, mm-hmm. and it appears to be a furry creature with longish hair. Um, so you know, that's something. I'll give it marks for that. Um, but um, I did just Google uh, Wales Bigfoot. Yeah. By the way, uh-huh. and there was a radio show. Uh, on BBC Radio Wales. Um, the show is called The Unexplainers. And they have an episode episode called Does Wales Have a Bigfoot? Um, they explore sightings of a Welsh Sasquatch just outside of Tredegar. Does Wales have a Bigfoot? I feel like there's a joke in there somewhere. But... Yeah. And mm. then there's another uh, footage thing that appears to be a Bigfoot wandering through uh, the Caffili Mountain. Near Cardiff. Oh, okay. And there's a picture. Hey, his name is Rob. He's a bird watcher. He does this every weekend and he'd appreciate if you left him alone. <laughs> they had to put a red ring round it so you can see where the foot is. <laughs> oh, I love red rings and photos. It's like when you're on YouTube and it's like secret satanic sex cult and then you watch the video and it's like 10 minutes of Jake Paul screaming or... <sighs> Sorry. Basically, All yeah. my YouTube videos I've watched have just blended into one screaming, hallucinatory oh, nightmare. <laughs> I mean, that that's a summary of YouTube. Yeah, basically. Really. 
Um, I'm surprised there isn't I live like a Bigfoot for a week, you know? <laughs> oh my god, I would pay money to see like fucking Shane Dawson or someone do that. <laughs> Sophia Nygaard. Zoella. Zoella should do that. <gasps> I would watch the shit. Zoella, go and live like a Bigfoot for a week. This is my Bigfoot makeup tutorial. <laughs> God, she was the bane of my life when I worked in Lush because she'd fucking smell bath bombs and go, "This smells nice." And you're like, "No, oh god, okay." Um, yeah. So this other thing is saying in this photo, you can see a tree that's fallen to its right, and it's actually the tree roots and uh, with moss on them, okay. and also it's in the snow, so that adds you know an extra layer of. Um, yeah, but you know. Um, the, I also found something interesting that I didn't know. Um, it's considered by some that big feet, Bigfoot creatures across the world, including the wild man, uh-huh. make structures from tree branches and logs. Uh, it's No, that's Scout. <laughs> hey, I was a girl guide and I didn't do anything like that. I spent all my time sitting to one side, ignoring the brown owl. Wait, what is it? Guys? Oh my god, you too? Yeah, I was an asshole. <laughs> oh, same. <laughs> um, I'm glad that is universal. Dude, I, the rest of my patrol, because I was the patrol leader for some goddamn reason, Oh, they gosh. loved me because I just let them skive off. We went to London Dungeons once. Nice. With my guide group. Uh, was it a fun family day out for all the kids? Oh, you know what it was. Mm. <laughs> Which part? Was it the bit where they explained the pair of anguish? No, it was the bit where he like went around the group and told us why we were being sentenced to death. Cool. That was a fun thing, like the judge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah. That. You know I him. I know him. I, I had fun. I went on the ride that's supposed to simulate you being hanged. I haven't been on it since they brought that in. It's fine. Can we go? I want to go. Next time you're in London. Dude, I want to go. I wanna... I've been planning all the cool stuff I'm going to do. When I... I really want to go to Alton Towers. Yeah. They've actually... That's not near London. Yeah, though. I know. I... <laughs> all of England is the same to me. Uh... <laughs> anyway. anyway uh... Enough of our plans. Sorry. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> yeah, so these structures... <laughs> it's funny because it says, there is nothing to suggest that these can actually be attributed to Wild Man or Bigfoot, but some of the structures <laughs> have been difficult for researchers to explain otherwise. And I'm like, really? <laughs> um... You know, basically unnatural constructions in the forest that might suggest someone's there, uh, including yeah. large X's, which I think is someone fucking around doing like a Blair Witch type thing. That's um, just Brenda. She'd <laughs> like you to leave her alone. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, peop- I mean, as someone who kind of explores the woods a lot, it's probably just, you know, teenagers. They go out there and they hang out yeah. and they do stupid stuff. Oh, absolutely. You know, there's nothing necessarily supernatural, but... Um, and... <laughs> Yeah, I kind of finished up by talking about the themes of Ah, uh, yes, the themes. Mm-hmm, because I like to explain stuff. Um, yeah. So, as with other big feet, um, I think we can infer a projection of otherness onto these mysterious lonesome creatures. Yeah, Which is kind of absolutely. what we were discussing earlier. Um, and a kind of exot... Not exotification, but... Um, like a way of understanding the kind of, especially because a lot of the sightings are uh, older. Mm-hmm. Um, a kind of explanation of the savageness. Yeah, it's her of anything that isn't British propriety. Exactly. I mean, in um, so Seamus Haney wrote about them, uh, mm. somewhat. Um, he's great. I love Seamus Haney. 
Um, he he wrote a book called Sweeney Astray, which is a translation of the Irish myth of um, Bulliasuvan, mm-hmm. um, also known as uh, like Wild Sweeney, Mad Sweeney. Oh, like an American. It's gods. the same character, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, academic Karen Marguerite Maloney cites Haney's relation of the Celtic wildman figure um, uh-huh. to the new wildman of the provisional IRA and the nationalist minority. So uh, that's a theme. Um, and another academic she quotes named Richard Bernheimer explains that the Celtic wildman is a harbinger of fertility and embodiment of the returning dead to an older mythology that had declared his slaughter for the good of all. Although, yeah. uh, as we were talking about, Haney's wild, a uh, sort of wild Celtic wild man is quite uh, sensitive and benign. Yeah. Mm. So, um, yeah. Sorry, that book is called Seamus Heaney and the Emblem of Hope. Just to cite my sources properly. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's interesting to me because I think he's kind of become a sympathetic creature. Yeah. There aren't a lot of stories of Bigfoot actively attacking people. No. Um, it was, And people who were into it seemed to be into it as in, I want to meet him, I want to be his friend. And he, even yeah. in fiction, he tends to be portrayed in quite a positive light. Uh, you know, like Yeah, they want to crack open a cold one with Bigfoot. Harry and the Hendersons, if you remember whatever. <gasps> yes, I do. Or even all the Bigfoot erotica that we're being blessed with. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, you know what? If the statue from... County Antrim is anything to go by. <laughs> He's A, a symbol of fertility for sure. Oh, yeah. And B, he could get it. Could he? I don't know. I think I'd look a bit like a pencil topper. <laughs> but, you know. Oh, my. <laughs> on that note, on that rather thirsty And on note, that bombshell. I think I, need a, I think I need a drink. I don't know about you. I need, yes. Um, before we continue with our last two stories for the Absolutely. evening. Absolutely. So I'm going to go and grab a drink. As am I. And we'll see you in a moment. Okay. Now we are back in the room. We're all feeling hydrated. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd like to bring the tone a little bit creepier because this show isn't called Grave History for Nothing. Yes, spook me out tonight. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. So this is the, and this is gonna be painful for any Welsh listeners. I'm very sorry. Mm. Um, the Ikihiraith, mm-hmm. um, which translates roughly as death warning. Okay. But also singing. <laughs> so, you know. But I feel like the the first translation. Kind of tells you what sort of thing we're fucking with here. <laughs> so this is very similar to the Banshee. Yes. Um, but also similar to, and I apologise, I'm going to try and say a Gallic word now. The Keonteach, I don't know, of Gallic Scotland, or the Weeper of English tradition. Oh, yeah. Okay, so like a, a, a keening spirit. Yeah, yeah. Like the they kind of they're following that tradition of calling or singing or wailing when death is imminent. Yes. Okay. Um, interestingly, though, this one is usually portrayed as uh, bodiless or invisible. Okay. It's more of a a sound than an actual figure. Um, like so the you poop. Don't... Yeah. 
Exactly like the bloop. God, I love the bloop. I love the bloop. Um, but it's especially affected... Uh, it especially affects the 12 parishes of Enos Kennan, mm-hmm. um, uh, which is South Wales, specifically East Dyfed, um, and the three Glamorgan Shires, Shires, uh, particularly near the River Towie. Okay. It's said to um, groan or call when someone from that part of the country died or when they died elsewhere but were born in those parishes. Can you imagine how eerie that would be? It's incredibly eerie. It's said to call three times, um, progressively getting further and further away each time. That's creepy. Yeah, or like fainter. I don't know if it's creepier than the idea of it getting closer. Yeah. Cause I remember that being one of the stories in um, Spooky Stories to Tell in the Dark, or whatever that book was called, and it like really scared me, the idea it's coming closer. It's <sighs> in your house now. Oh, God. Uh, but this this one fades. That's interesting. Yeah, so sometimes it's heard immediately before someone dies, mm-hmm. um, but it can also be um, quite a while. I mean, no more than a year, but really? it could be like quite a while in advance. Like, get your will in order, sort out what you want to do for your funeral. You should have done this a while ago. Well, that's nice actually, because I yeah. appreciate that kind of warning. Yeah, absolutely. No, hmm. same. Um, she also quite often appears before um, multiple deaths caused by epidemics, okay, or disasters, right. Um, I don't know how many disasters there are in Wales. Don't think they get a lot of earthquakes or or volcanoes. But epidemics, mm-hmm. you know, she must have had a grand old time in nineteen eighteen is what I'm what I'm gonna say there. <laughs> yeah, I mean uh, I wonder if, you know, wartime as well. Yeah. I mean that's that's a disaster. I'd appreciate some warning for that as well, so I can you know Yeah. I mean, it would be, I suppose it would be quite comforting in a sort of, you know it's coming kind of way. I mean, you always know it's coming. Yeah. I mean, I love this story particularly, um, I don't remember what this specifically is. I feel like this might be Irish, but I don't know for certain. It was in a Dorling Kindersley. Oh my God. Those books were always the best. Um, which was my introduction to mythology. It was a book of myths and legends. And there's a story about this man riding into battle and he sees this kind of... I mean, the way she was illustrated was almost kind of mermaid-like, but I think she's meant to be quite fae-like, sitting at the side of a river washing blood off his armour. That was nice of her. But it's meant to be like a kind of portent of um, of him uh, riding to his death, essentially. I've definitely heard that legend before of seeing like a, a, a wailing washerwoman. Yeah, and I think the Morrigan is often portrayed like yeah, that. Yeah, and, she, and she's cleaning the clothes of the person who's going to die. Mm. Which, mm-hmm. I mean, thanks, but also, <clears throat> I'm dead. I ain't going to yeah. use this. I mean, someone else might. Yeah, it's expensive. Donate them to a charity shop and go and buy a pajama pajamas that someone definitely died in. That's my yeah. hobby. Yeah. Um, interestingly, 
Um, she is sometimes conflated with another figure mm-hmm. from uh, from wealth, wealth, wealth mythology. Wealth mythology. <laughs> Welsh mythology. And this is another word that I'm probably going to butcher. Mm-hmm. Um, the Gyrach Eriben, mm-hmm. um, or the Hag of the Mist, which is just me. That's it's how me yeah, going that's... to Sainsbury's. Leave me alone. That's that's the perfume I use. Hag yeah. of the Mist. Yeah, exactly. Um, but she's your kind of typical um, hag woman spirit. I love her. She's valid. Yeah, she's so valid. Mm. Um, she's a spirit in the form of a hideously ugly woman, mm-hmm. because that's obviously horrible. Ugly women are ew, horrible and ew. should be removed from society. And good-looking um, women are just trying to, you know, seduce you, and then they're yeah. going to kill you. So they either way, you're dead, bucko. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Why can't we have some just... plain women? Some regular women. <laughs> With no makeup Some on. realistic women. <laughs> Some realistic women spirits luring you to your death. That's what I want to see. In pyjamas. And not sexy pyjamas. Oh, not no. sexy pyjamas. No, no, no. No, no, no. no. Def- just um, charity shop pyjamas that someone's definitely died. <laughs> but yeah, she's described as having kind of unkempt hair, mm. um, wizened, withered arms... This is my favourite bit. Uh, with leathery wings. Nice. Um, long black teeth and <laughs> pale corpse-like features. I think she was my teacher in primary two. I, th- I think so. Mm. I think she might have been. She just took a trip up to Scotland. It's all good. <laughs> um, but she is also a kind of harbinger of death. Ha- or like a warning of death. A harbinger. Harbinger. Yeah. Um, she approaches the window of a person about to die and calls their name. That's annoying, especially if you're trying to sleep. Yeah, but also terrifying. Because I don't what? know about you, but one of my major kind of... not I, I mean, I don't, thankfully, get uh, sleep paralysis. Mm. But one of the things that I often like imagine when I'm trying to sleep and my overactive imagination is going bananas is something at the window. Yes, and also in sleep paralysis, the kind of the hag is a very common yeah thing exactly. to see, thing to see. Um, mm. The hag, uh, shadow figures, a man in a black hat. These are some of the most. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, could sleep paralysis maybe be an maybe. explanation for that? Also, I've got I've got to ask if she appears at the window, then what if you live in like an apartment building? She's floating. Cool. I'd love to see that. She doesn't only approach a window, so she can also travel invisibly next to them and then cry when they approach a stream or river. That's just what my mind is doing to me anyway. <laughs> um, I don't know if it was last episode, we mentioned um, something about running water being yes, a thing. For, uh, for the, the, the Nuklavi, or the Nukalavi, yes. which I'm beginning to increasingly think is actually correct. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, the idea of the running water being a symbol of um, like purity, yes, or or something along those lines. So maybe it's something to do with that. Like you're not pure, you're gonna die. Don't cross it. This reminded me of I that, don't know. that episode of Courage the Cowardly Dog, where like <laughs> like he has that thing that goes, "You're not perfect." <laughs> I mean, that's just the the voice in my head telling me that. You know, that's fine. Ugh. I hear that every day. It's fine. It's fine. We're all fine here. Yeah, we're millennials, it's fine. I'm fine. Um, but both of them, um, the reason why I think they get conflated a lot, besides being both kind of portents of death, 
mm-hmm. um, is also that they both potentially um, stem from a goddess of the streams and of running water that existed. Okay. Um, I've also just thought of something. Running water is often considered very magical. Yes, that is. Because it's kind of a constant building of energy through the movement. Yeah, plus it's it's uh, it's it's renewal as well. Mm. And also, I don't know if I'm misremembering this, I feel like in a lot of kind of stories about fairies, there's a whole thing of crossing rivers into the world of the fairies. I think it's... Uh, I mean, I think I mentioned this last time, one of the things I was thinking about was uh, Tam O'Shanter, which is... Yes, you did mention Tam Yeah, Shanta. quite a famous... Um, with the, the realm of the fairies, I'm trying to remember... Because some stuff that... Because uh, can fairies cross... Because I know fairies can't cross... I think it's iron. Mm. Oh, fairies hate iron. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah. There um, are certain creatures that can't cross running water. Like the the Nukalavi. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, Vampires, This is something for us to research. Yeah. This is something for us to cover. And maybe add in some show notes if I can work out how to do that. Oh, we're getting serious now. It's technology in it. Okay. Now, we teased your last uh, creepy crawly beastie <gasps> yes, we in did. our intro. We did. Um, but I think it's time for you to tell us about him in detail. Time for us to get spooky. 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 It's the name of the game. It's the name of the game. Exactly. So this this one again um, is kind of an all-island creature, but... Um, uh, he actually appears um, almost like uh, the most often in the counties of, Sl- of uh, I think it's Sligo or Sligo mm-hmm. and Down, which are in the Northern Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland, respectively. So I did okay. it. I did it, lads. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I made it relevant. I made it relevant. I've got tears streaming down my <laughs> face right now. Um, but yes, yeah, so this creature is uh, also a harbinger of death. Yay! Yay! Um, and this guy is called the Dollahan. Uh, he's one of my favourites. He's very cool. I love him. He's got. Um, I mean, a lot of the sources I read were comparing him to the legend of Sleepy Hollow. Yes. Yes. Which. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which. Um, I mean, that area. Uh, would there have been a lot of Irish settlers there? Because I know that area in particular was was primarily yeah. Dutch settlers. Um... But. I mean, it's it's is close it? to yeah, it's close to the kind of I mean, it's in mm, it's, my American geography is terrible. It's in upstate New York. It's, it's yeah, not, not well, far there are a lot New of York Irish and... settlers in especially in New York City. Yeah. So and and again, it's it's based on a on a book right? Uh, that, yeah. that that's a fictional book rather than a legend that was mm-hmm. already there per se. Um, but yeah, so it's so... not outside the realms of possibility that Irish stories bled into. Um, the kind of common consciousness. It's possible, but that was who wrote that? Uh, Irving. I was about to say Rip Van Winkle, but no, it's uh, uh, he's not Washington even a real Irving? person. Yes, which yeah. is the most American name of all time. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, but yes, this this chap, uh, he's one of my favourites. Uh, he's just got you know a real kind of haunted mansion vibe about him, and I'm into mm-hmm. that. He makes me think of the Hatbox Ghost. Yeah. Always. Oh, my favourite. Always in our hearts. Um, so the, the Dullahan is a headless rider who is sighted atop an often headless horse. How the fuck anyone knows where they're going is beyond me. Uh, ghostly powers. Okay, cool. 
Uh, actually, no, I think it explains it later on, so I completely forget I oh. said that. Um, so, um, looking him up, much to my disappointment, um, mm. first of all, the Wikipedia article on him is basically just a stub. Ugh. Which is often the case with cryptids. Um, yeah. So you you got to go deeper, fam. Um, but uh, the, the entire Wikipedia article seems to be sourced from a cracked article from 2012. Oh, well-known bastion of, of truth. Yes, journalism. Um, <laughs> so I tried to go a wee bit deeper, obviously, because mm-hmm. pinch of salt and all that. Um, oh, yeah. I went to that article, uh, which also had a part on the Nukulavi spelling it that way, so now I just feel like a fool in man's shoes. Um, <laughs> uh, but they also cited all the same sources I did, so I'm a vindicated professional. Um, for the... D- <laughs> validate me. I w- you are so valid. Validate me like a goddamn parking ticket. Um, <laughs> now, f- uh, for the dollar hand, they cite something called the Shamrock Club of Wisconsin, which sounds... Uh, um, it's, it's one of those societies for people who, have you ever been to America? Because the few times I've been, I, I sometimes get asked, where, where are you from? And I say Scotland and they go, oh great, I'm Scottish. And you're like, I, no, you're not. No, you aren't. Yeah. Get on your yeah, bike. Yeah, people who are like, are like, oh, I'm like one fifth Italian. And you're like, mm, you're not Italian though. Doesn't matter. I always find it really funny, especially because of this whole thing about we're American, this is America, American, America, and then they're all like, I'm actually 116th Hungarian. Yeah. And it's like, you. I don't know. I, I mean, staying in touch with your heritage is obviously something that's important, but also it just baffles me when people are like, I'm. I'm three, <clears throat> I'm three parts burger sauce to five parts mayonnaise. <laughs> um. We've suddenly turned into Katrina Roasts America. Am I roasting America? I'm sorry. I don't want to get in trouble with America. I love you, America. But seriously, are you okay? Um, uh, yes. So um, the other site is called Hub Pages, which seems fairly reputable. Um, I also found it on Scary for Kids, which uh. is a site I love and would never show to children. Um, and also a page simply called Dullahan.com. Like, it's his goddamn promo site. It's like a single-page website. Um, <laughs> just a... He made it one of those easy-to-make websites. Yeah, he made it on, on Squarespace or something. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Sponsor us. But, uh, <laughs> sorry. But, um, yeah, so these had some pretty uh, good descriptions of him. Uh, basically, uh-huh. his deal is, uh, whenever he stops, wherever he stops, rather, a person will die... Okay. He will call out the name and they will immediately drop down dead. Um, He might also not just be riding a horse, but also be the coachman of a deadly coach that may ferry you to realms beyond. Oh, um, oh so he's a bit of a psychopomp then. Yeah, kind of. It's like. By the way, psychopomp, one of my favourite words. It's a great word. I need to work that into my vocabulary more often. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I remember um, he, he does show up in um, one of the Skullduggery Pleasant books, which I really yeah. l- liked when I was younger, but I haven't read them in ages. Um, uh-huh. But uh, I remember him showing up as like a phantom coachman who like, oh, nice. uh, when you get into his carriage, then you die. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so um, the description of him is pretty great. Uh, they are headless, obviously. Uh, he carries his head with him, either on the saddle brow of his horse or upraised in his right hand. Uh, and I love the description of his head. 
Um, mm. Apparently, the head is the colour and texture of stale dough or mouldy cheese. Mm. And quite smooth. And it also says a hideous, idiotic grin splits the face from ear to ear. And the Amazing. eyes, which are small and black, dart around like malignant flies. The mm. entire head glows with the phosphorescence of decaying matter. And the creature may use it as a lantern to guide its way. Oh. Mm. Do you think this is related to... So this is a world theory. Bear with me. Uh-huh. Do you think the appearance of that is related to how people used to use turnips as jack-o'-lanterns? Maybe. I don't... they sort of have that same doughy colour. <laughs> <clears throat> I don't know. It's you mean just a theory. S- someone saw a, a bloke on a horse and they couldn't see his head because it was dark and he was carrying a jack-o'-lantern and they were like... <laughs> I Whoa. don't know. I'm, I'm just... Because because Leave it's me alone. it's because it's 1743 and I'm in Ireland so there's fucking nothing to do. Okay. Um, but yes. Anyway. So uh, actually, I, I answered my own question earlier. Um, apparently, uh, the Dullahan sees by holding his severed head aloft, uh, and he can see for vast distances across the countryside, even on the darkest night. Um, oh, he's got dark vision. Yeah, he's got. I'm assuming he's got like vision goggles on or something, I don't know. Uh, using this power, he can spy the house of a dying person, no matter where it lies. Those who watch from their windows to see him pass are rewarded for their pains by having a basin of blood thrown in their faces or by being struck blind in one eye. <laughs> Furthermore, only in the one eye. Only in one eye. He's usually mounted on a black steed, and he uses a human spine as a whip. I love that detail. I know, right? Um... Yes, and so the, the 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 coach thing comes largely from County Tyrone, according to this source. Mm. Um, a, a black coach known as the Coach of Bower, uh, drawn by six black horses, and travels so fast that the friction created by its movement often sets on fire the bushes along the sides of the road. Huh. Ha, I know, right? Um, yes, and all gates fly open to let rider and coach through, no matter how firmly they are locked. Um, it can't really talk. Uh, its disembodied head is permitted to speak just once on each journey. Oh, the to, name. Yeah, to call out the name, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, yes, it says he often comes out on Irish feast days uh, when it is advisable to stay at home with the curtains drawn, particularly around the end of August or early September when the Feast of Chrome Dew... Uh, I don't think I'm pronouncing that correct, but D-U-B-H is pronounced Dew in Scottish, as in, okay. as in Ski and Dew. So I'm just going to mm. say Crom do because whatever. Um, Correct us if we're wrong. If you happen to be out of your house at this time, then you have to have a gold object close to hand. Um, there's a very brief description of someone, uh, W.J. Fitzpatrick, a storyteller from the Mourn Mountains in County Down, uh, recounts, I seen the Dullahan myself, stopping on the brow of the hill between Bryansford and Munnyscalp late one evening, just as the sun was setting. It was completely headless, but it held up its own head in its hand, and I heard it call out a name. I put my hand across my ears in case the name was my own, so I couldn't hear what it said. When I looked again, it was gone. But shortly afterwards, there was a bad car accident on that very hill, and a young man was killed. It had been his name that the Dullahan was calling. Or, so he says. Oh, uh, so this is fairly recent, then, if there was a car crash. Yeah, that one is the 20th century, I want to say. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm. Um... But yeah, I mean, uh, I also looked at stuff like uh, where where did he come from? Where did, where he, did go? he go? Where did he go? Yeah, <laughs> where did he come from? Come to... uh, th- so uh, it's not really known where he comes from, but it's a theory that he's an embodiment of an ancient Celtic god, <clears throat> Chrome Dew, 
or uh, okay. uh, do means uh, black. So uh, Dublin, which comes from that, means black pool, literally. Ah. Yeah, fun fact. Um, okay, so it's probably pronounced dub, but I'm, I apologize. Um, so Chrome Dew was worshipped by the prehistoric king who ruled in Ireland about 1500 years ago and leg- legitimized human sacrifice to heathen idols. Uh, being a fertility god, because there's lots of them, I demanded human lives each year with the most favoured method of sacrifice being decapitation. Uh, Worship of Crum continued in Ireland until until the 6th century when Christian missionaries from Scotland came and, you know, denounced all that. Of course. Down with that sort of thing. Uh, um, So, um, yeah, the the theory is that he he is not to be denied his annual quota of souls. Um... (laughs) Do not deny. Do not deny. Yeah, but unlike the Banshee, the Dullahunt does not pursue specific families and its call is like a summoning of the soul of a dying person mm. rather than a, a death warning per se. Okay. Uh, yeah, and you're supposed to use gold to frighten him off. There's another brief description from County Galway. It doesn't give a date, but this is what it is. A man was on his way home one night between Roundstone and Ballyconnolly. It was just getting dark. And all of a sudden, he heard the sound of a horse's hooves pounding along the road behind him. Looking around, he saw the Dullahan on his charger, hurtling towards him at a fair speed. With a loud shout, he made to run, but the thing came on after him, gaining on him all the time. In truth, it would have overtaken him and carried him away, had he not dropped a gold-headed pin from the folds on his shirt on the road behind him. There was a roar in the air above him, and when he looked again, the Dullahan was gone. I wonder why gold is a thing. Um... Because it's not normally gold, is it? It tends to be silver. I've heard of gold in other cases. Mm. I, I, f- I forget what they are right now. Um, but, yeah, it's... I'm just looking at my other source right now, just seeing if there is any mention of that, because it's bothering me now. You know it's been brought up. <laughs> no, I, um, I didn't mean, like... I don't mean that it's not a thing. I just mean I've not personally seen it as a kind of anti... Mm. Um, anti-supernatural being thing before. I mean, a lot of metals, I mean, we were talking about iron earlier. Mm. You know, um, just certain kinds of metal are just good at warding off certain kinds of creature? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Um, it's quite interesting. Another source I have, this is th- this is from the Shamrock Club, Wisconsin, uh, is saying um, the ancient Celts believed the soul was in the head and if a foe was worthy one their head would be taken to add to the warrior's prestige uh, so uh, yeah. you know the image of the head is quite powerful mm. um, yeah I mean that was what was used a lot in um, like I want to say medieval to Tudor England for example like when a foe was defeated or a, yeah I mean it uh, was because they didn't have photographs and stuff so showing, yeah, showing the head. head on a spike I think we did that to William Wallace. I'm very sorry. I've never gotten over it. Um, <laughs> um, but I, yeah, actually, so um, yeah, and also according to uh, the Shamrock Club, um, mm. while it's primarily seen in Northern Ireland um, and some other areas of Ulster, across the sea in Scotland, the coach was often seen on Edinburgh's Royal Mile gathering up the souls of the dead. Oh. Dude, okay, it's a spacious carriage. I've seen a pretty, I've seen some pretty horrifying sights in the Royal Mile. Uh, <laughs> the fact that all of the shops are now tourist shops for one. Oh god, including a Harry Potter shop. Ugh. Uh, I once saw a guy chunder there for like a solid five minutes, which is pretty <laughs> impressive. Uh, What's your opinion on it? I, 
Oh yeah, and during the fringe, the whole area turns into a nightmare festival that oh, could use geez. a dollar hun or twelve, to be honest. Yeah, just so I can friggin' walk to where I need to be. Um, so, just of your mention of a dollar hun or twelve, is it a singular thing? <laughs> it seems to be. Yes, it seems only one is ever seen. Okay. Yeah. There's not like a squad. <laughs> dollar hun squad. <laughs> Get in, loser, I'm... we're going death harbinger. <laughs> oh, God. I think on that note, <laughs> I think we may have to to end this madness. <laughs> and, yeah, that's... And draw the episode to a close there. Yeah. Before we devolve into full insanity. Before, we, before I go on my four-hour rant about how Harry Potter tourism <laughs> is ruining Edinburgh. Yeah, uh... <laughs> that, that one. I've heard it. It's good, but not for this episode. Not for this episode, no. Um... Yeah, this kind of ends our foray into to British cryptids. Yeah. For now. For now. Um, we're actually diving into the more history part of the Grave History title. Uh, next next episode, mm-hmm. we are discussing uh, body snatching and resurrection men. I love that. Since they happen in both Scotland and England. And I've got some juicy resources on that, so that'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So if you want to learn how to snatch a body... Do you want to snatch a body? (laughs) Tune in next time (laughs) to Grave History. Yeah. Good good night. Good night. Good night.